0: Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel,
1: good to see you. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning?
0: Doing just fine. All right. And... uh, gonna start off today with uh an announcement another hint that uh maybe there's a coalition that is on again off again you know can the chinese get along with the saudis which would be significant because it would challenge the petrodollar yeah and uh the uh chinese have their their goals and uh, that would that would be a big thing so the article today was pretty, pretty significant and uh There is a uh, the the article is considered as a remarkable uh, development. If it goes through, of course, it's too early to know. Uh, It's not easy to dethrone a currency, but uh, we're capable of doing that. Every country is eventually capable of dethroning their currency. So that always, always exists. But uh, this is um, this is something that uh, has been hinted all along and uh, It's sort of a reaction to our policies. It isn't like all of a sudden out of the clear blue, they're uh, bosom buddies, you know, and they want to do it. But uh, we get involved over there and we, uh, uh, you know, are divisive in in, in many ways. And uh, and then we put sanctions on the Iranians and we punish them. Uh, So then uh, the the Saudis, uh, you you know, are participants. So it's moving away from a from America. You know, I think we lose stature when this happens and we lose uh, some economic clout when this happens. But uh, I think we're going to hear more about this as time goes on, especially with the banking system here in the States starting to rock a bit, too. And who knows uh, how far that'll go, how far that's going to extend. And uh, that that, too, will have an international effect on us.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a big, significant development because As we know, the, the Saudis and the Iranians have been uh, at loggerheads for a number of years, and obviously there are, there are historical reasons, the different branches of, Shia, of, uh, of Islam uh, that are at war with each other, essentially. But along comes China uh, and brokers a peace deal between the two of them where they will each recognize each other, open embassies, start relations. And this is something they have been trying to do for quite some time, And in fact, the last attempt to do it uh, was thwarted because, remember General Soleimani, he was on the way to Saudi Arabia to deliver a peace message when Donald Trump blew him up. So the US obviously does not want Saudi Arabia and Iran to mend their fences and to get back together. Uh, And and, and interesting for a number of reasons that the Chinese have stepped into the breach and acted as an honest broker and brought these two together. And I think it will be a very significant development for the Middle East, uh, not least which because it really emphasizes we we've been saying all along, which is that aggressive U.S. foreign policy doesn't make the U.S. more relevant to the world. It actually makes the U.S. more irrelevant to the world. So a peace can be brought in a very, very difficult situation with implications you know, across the board from the Yemen war to relations with Israel, et cetera, a peace deal can be brought with the United States, not only not a part of it, but sitting on the sidelines, angrily trying to to, to prevent the development from happening. So I think it's a very, very significant move.
0: And oil, again, is a big deal. And, uh, of course, it comes up when we talk about Syria because we, we have maintained a presence. We took the part we like the best, and we took the oil. And uh, that, that sort of annoys the, the people who have suffered the consequence of this But because we have been powerful. But I, I always tell people to be aware of the fact as we weaken, there's going to be more. And this might even be a sign of that. You know, we are not as strong as we have been in the past. And uh, they're they're showing their strength by coming together. They they could have done it a long time ago. And uh, but I think they're sick and tired of us being over there. And there, there's no reason for us to be over there. If uh, somebody could come in here and say, you guys are wrong, because I want to show you how. Dangerous it is, uh, you know, to just let this happen and, and that we don't pay any attention. But uh, you, you know that 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 hasn't happened, and uh, that that is, that is the reason that for the most part our interference will backfire and it will cause more harm. It will in the, in the end run cost money. Well, you know we have a thousand troops in Syria protecting the oil. That has to cost a little bit. Oh, well, but we'll sell the oil and you know pay our bills. But it's it's not a it's not. A good situation that's why a principle stand for non-intervention sort of solves the problems you don't have to weigh this country against this country and how far is this and who has what money and say well you can do this and we can negotiate something i i think the negotiation is should we be a country that is aggressive enough to interfere in the internal affairs of other countries and get involved uh, by the use of military force and sanctions and tariffs and i i just think that's dangerous
1: yeah, and the other development, you know, in a related way, is that you know Saudi Arabia and China have increased trade significantly over the past year, uh, and there has been talk on and on about uh, being able to trade in yuan, uh, so the, you know the end of the petrodollar. And <coughs> as recently, I'm looking at an article here from Yahoo just uh, earlier, uh, well, last late last month, uh, that says Saudi Arabia says it's now open to the idea of trading in currencies besides the US dollar. So you're seeing you know, the, maybe the end of the petrodollar with the rise of China. So that's a very significant development. And also this uh, rapprochement between Iran and Saudi Arabia opens the door for the Saudis to follow what has been a trending development in the region, which is one by one countries in the region are restoring their ties with Syria. Now Saudi Arabia was a big part of the overthrow Assad movement Starting from you know 2011, and if they're reverting back to where like the United Arab Emirates, uh, you had uh, Egypt, you have one by one cut con- a Turkey countries moving back toward normalizing ties with Assad in Syria. And I think you'll probably see that with Saudi Arabia as well, which, again, freezes the U.S. out of the region and makes us the odd, not us, but our government, the odd man in the room. Here you are occupying part of Syria, stealing their oil, and the rest of us are making peace.
0: Yeah, I think they can move in that direction without having, you know, a final say about, oh, this means the dollar will no longer be used. No, the dollar may be, continue to use it may be used less significantly, but if you have two countries that are getting along and they are protecting their currents to a degree where they can come up with an exchange rate, there's no reason why one country can't sell oil to another country with without us being involved and using door, dollars to do it. You know, the, the petrodollar has been just like so much of uh, the international banking, the IMF, and and uh, the, the 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 monetary system has has been beneficial to us, uh, but. I think that this is, could be a move of great significance, but we might not know how significant tomorrow or the next day. But, but you know, with the shaky banking system that we have, you know, <laughs> that is that that system is rather fragile. And if there are two countries doing a lot, and if uh, if the Saudis and the Iranians are doing a fair amount of exchanges, uh, you know, maybe those India might do it they they keep hinting that they they will do some of that too so uh, i think their people's needs they're going to finally get to the point where their personal needs will dictate it rather than their fear of what the united states might do to them
1: yeah and we often say on the show that you know while the u.s comes with threats with bombs with sanctions with color revolutions like we're doing right now in Georgia, trying to overthrow the government there. The U.S. comes with all these tools, and the Chinese seem to come with uh, business contracts, um, with the negotiations. Uh, and I think you can see that clearly, and in, in actually if you go to the second clip, because we've kind of overtaken the first one, you can kind of see this in the, in the Chinese reaction. Uh, China's most senior foreign policy official, Wang Yi, celebrated the signing as, quote, a victory. And here's what he said. This is a victory for the dialogue, a huge victory for peace, and is major positive news for the world, which is currently so turbulent and restive, and it sends a clear signal. Now, when is the last time you heard an American, sincerely, an American diplomat, sincerely talking about a victory for peace, you know, that didn't involve conquering or bombing somewhere. And,
0: and what happens if you even hint at a softer statement in Washington? They turn on you like you're un-American, you're committing treason, and, and the nonsense, and they really pour it on the individuals. But they they won't look at it objectively, and. Uh, of course, the freer the markets there are, the more the decisions are made outside of government. And, and certainly, when other governments are doing something, we don't have a responsibility to deal with it. And uh, I think overall, if if uh, if somebody studies, especially since World War II, our involvement, you know, in uh, in all the overseas activity, uh, it's amazing that we had enough wealth to squander. But I think the squandering is getting nearing the end, and that's why I think our our banking system is very fragile because we've been able to extend credit, uh, but there's always a limit to how, how much you can extend credit. And uh, we, we've been able to do it, but that'll come to an end, too.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well the other big player in the region uh, that's going to, certainly feeling the repercussions of this rapprochement between Iran and Saudi Arabia is Israel. And uh, we're looking on antiwar.com and there's a, an unnamed senior Israeli official who's who's angry, and I think that's probably the state of a lot of Israeli politicians right now, they're angry about this. They blame the weakness of the U.S. government and the previous Israeli government, at least according to this article. And you might say weakness, but weakness <laughs> it can be measured in many ways. Sometimes weakness uh, can be measured in being too aggressive uh, in being too cocky. But I actually happen to think that this is a good news for Israel. Yeah, I've Because Israel has been able or has unfortunately been on a course of making enemies with the other countries in the region because they've always felt that the U.S. is the strong big brother that'll always have their back. It's almost like a moral hazard. And I think now seeing that the trend in the region is making peace and Israel has had some overtures to Saudi Arabia in that area. So I think they may see that this is the trend and without the U.S. carrying that big stick behind them, maybe they'll they'll find that diplomacy is the way to go.
0: Little <laughs> <pragmatism>, <laughs> yeah. they, have, they have to live with what's uh, what's going on, so uh, I I think that you know things are being shifted. And I think the most uh, important thing we try to do is sort it out to try to convince people that you don't have to defend on the militarism and the and the, uh, uh, the strong tough talk or obedience to the military-industrial complex or saying it would be bad for our economy the oil prices make it might go up and all that nonsense because uh, so often the opposite happens and I think in this case we're seeing we're seeing some things happening that they probably didn't expect uh, yeah. uh, you know to the system to be to be softened a bit
1: and it's you know it's also becoming abundantly clear that the State Department is not a tool of diplomacy and peace but is a tool of war under the Biden administration and certainly it was when we had people like Pompeo in as well Uh so uh so it's the contrast is very interesting well I guess move on to our next one because this is also an interesting trend that we're noticing if we can go ahead to the Politico article on Ukraine uh, this came out over the weekend, and it was uh, written about by Dave DeCamp and antiwar.com, but the origination <coughs> is Politico. It says, Little Fishers: the U.S.-Ukraine war unity is slowly cracking apart, uh, and it's a very interesting article because it points out what we've been noticing and discussing, and there have been a lot of indications now that there is a big strain in the relationship between the Biden administration, the Republicans, and Ukraine. Uh, And it looks like it might, you know, continue to crack and may endanger Biden's determination to stick with Ukraine as long as it takes, whatever you need, especially when you're talking. I was looking at a funny meme before this started of uh, Biden and and Zelensky on the phone, and Biden said, I need that money back (laughs) 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 because the banks are all crashing. So it's interesting to see this development.
0: Yes and and you know this is uh this is something that I I think is you know will continue for a while longer and uh it's it's something that can't be beneficial to us. It's going to cause us problems, because uh, the people are disgusted. They say the U- U.S. Ukraine unity is cracking, but the people the people are backing off too. But there's people in the administration. You know, they're they're not you know uh, the second in charge or anything. But there's some that's pretty high up that's giving you know in a military position might advise you know the president. You can't you can't wait uh, until the Ukraine gets crimea back again before yeah. we talk about peace i mean that's, that's not going to get anybody anything yeah that's a, that's the position that uh and that's uh Zelensky's position yeah wait wait till we get our property back and then we'll talk
1: yeah <laughs> and meanwhile they keep losing more well the one thing that's interesting in this article and if we can put on that next <coughs> clip is that michael mccall who as you know is extremely hawkish particularly on this issue he would you know he would like to be at war with russia i'm sure right now extremely hawkish probably out of step with certainly some of the up and comers in the republican party but here's what he says even mccall the chair of the house foreign affairs committee is getting concerned he says the administration doesn't have a clear policy objective and a clear goal is it to drag this thing out which is precisely what vladimir putin wants he said Is it just give them enough to survive and not to win? I don't see a policy for victory right now. And if we don't have that, then what are we doing? And now that, of course, is his way of talking, meaning that we should have given them everything they want, the attack missiles, B-52s, you take it, just, you know, give us your shopping list. That's what he means. But it also means, I think, maybe I'm reading too much between the lines, Dr. Paul, that he is starting to get nervous. And the idea of what's your strategy, well, Congress should have asked that before they passed $100 billion. Yeah. And what's the strategy here? Why are we giving you this money? They didn't do it, and I think now they're kind of covering their rear ends when they see things
0: aren't going as well. Well, I'd like to reverse uh, some of that foreign policy stuff at least back to 1945 yeah. I and mean, say we're turning over a new leaf. We we're not ready to go to war like we do all the time. And uh, the 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 enthusiasm uh, ha- has de- been, been diminished. The people aren't in support of it, and that's why I think ultimately that's very important. But people, people don't like what's happening, uh, y- you know, with our economy right now. And when they hear these figures, you know, a hundred billion dollars, where'd they get it? Well, th- th- they got it by charging you a lot more for your food, and they charge and they raise your taxes, and and that's why uh, we have these problems. And so I think I think there's a lot of reluctance. Uh, developing there but it's also a big job to confront and reverse the pattern of the military industrial complex which involves a lot more than just a couple bankers in a a secret room dealing with it i mean it's a big deal
1: it is a big deal and you know some of the fault lines in ukraine are are pretty obvious now the article talks about bakhmut and uh, that's been under siege for a long time uh, for months, the Russians have been trying to take Bakhmut, and it looks like now they're succeeding. They have the Pincher movement, and they have it pretty much encircled. Um, one uh, apparently, one of the disagreements is that the U.S. has been urging Ukraine to abandon Bakhmut. They call it irrelevant. It's an irrelevant. It's a symbolic city. Well, obviously, Ukraine seems to know a little bit more about it than the Pentagon or the advisors in the Biden administration because they've been tenaciously holding on to that. They've been dumping thousands and thousands into it and people that we listen to who know a little bit more than the average bear at the Pentagon like uh like Doug McGregor they say the Bachmut Uh, Is critical because it's a critical component of the defensive line that they've been building up since 2014. And so they say when Bakhmut goes, (coughs) it'll be a lot easier to move into Slavyansk and and Kramatorsk and other areas. So there's clearly a disagreement. I think the U.S., my own opinion, I think the U.S. is downplaying Bakhmut's importance because they know it's a lost cause. Even Jen Stoltenberg said, the NATO chief said they're going to lose Bakhmut. I think the U.S. is trying to save face by saying, ah, no big deal. We didn't want it anyway. So that's one big one. And also the Nord Stream one. we talked about that last week, how all of a sudden out of the blue, the U.S. is saying the Ukrainians did it. Don't look at us. Yeah. The Ukrainians did it. And I think it might be these two together and a few other things that are in the article. I think they might be signifying the fact that they're looking for some kind of an off ramp. we got to get out of this mess. Uh, and, and I think that's probably a good
0: sign. I think the worst things have gotten, the argument is pretty strong that uh, this is not just about bad choice, it's not an accident that there's chaos in our streets and in, 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 within our country, and that it's a r- result of people who are really looking for chaos and they want to benefit from it, and that serves the interests of uh, you, you know militarizing domestically and the loss of civil liberties here at home. But internationally, it's it's the same thing. Uh, there, there's some people might say that you know, if we wanted that war to end, uh, we might be able to do it in a week or two. Maybe they maybe they just want to drag it on. It seems like chaos over there is also benefiting the military industrial complex, sure, and yeah. they keep doing this, and uh, and then they can brag about well, Americans aren't dying. Uh, there's, we have enough other people who are going to sacrifice for our policies.
1: Yeah. The other thing, interesting thing about this, too, Dr. Paul, is that you know all this talk about we're going to help Ukraine win, Ukraine's winning, Ukraine's going to win, Well, that tone is kind of changing a little bit. And this is from the Politico article. <laughs> it quotes the National Security Council spokesperson Adrienne Watson. And listen to what she says. This is a real it's, it's shift, I think. She says, the best thing we can do is to continue to help Ukraine succeed on the battlefield so they can be in the strongest possible position at the negotiating table for when the time comes. So they're not, when you win, you don't go to the negotiating table, uh, you know, so they're basically admitting that Ukraine is not going to win this, but we want to give them at least a little bit of leverage when they're forced to sit down, and talk with the Russians. That seems to be. But a shift. our hawks, yeah. our
0: hawks aren't going to accept that because you know the the hawks still exist for Vietnam. Oh yeah. Oh, we the Vietnam is we didn't do the job right. We should have been there, and, and you know, yeah, just pursued that forever. So they will they will continue to do that if uh, if the money is there and uh, that's that's one thing that's coming up short and the people are getting tired of it all and I, I think they I think the people are restless I think that there's there's a limit to how much they'll put up with especially if they're having some pain and suffering here at home and I think that's one thing that has been accomplished there is a connection with our foreign policy with some of the problems that we have here the chaos overseas and with whether it's in, uh, uh, you know, Syria or, or wherever, that, 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 that comes back and haunts us. How much did we pay in Syria? Oh, hundred billion?
1: <laughs> what do we get for it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a, that's a lot of money. <laughs>
0: and the market keeps mo- go moving along. Huh?
1: Yeah. Well, we're going to move on to our last one, but I do want to start uh, break in and just thank our sponsor, 4Patriots.com, the number 4Patriots.com. Uh, We know the Chinese are making peace in the Middle East, but they're also buying a lot of food, the number one importer of foods in the world, uh, and they are storing and importing more and more food. So what do they know that we don't know? Well, they know that we are in a very, very delicate situation in the world. Uh, Supply chains have been broken, maybe irrevocably, Um, but there is an American company, uh, and I say an American company because it is an American company. They have on-offer survival food kits, among other survival items. But you can order yourself from a (coughs) four-week, three-month, one-year, even a 72-hour survival kit, put under your bed, put in your storage, and store it away for when something happens. Uh, It's very, very important to do. For Patriots.com, enter RON in for your 10% discount on your first order and a $97 and above you get free shipping it's everything you need for breakfast lunch and dinner delicious food you just have to look at the pictures to see very very tasty food be prepared because we don't know what's going to happen go to 4patriots.com type in Ron and get a discount on your first order and we thank them for sponsoring the show well let's move on to our final uh, topic and this one I know is near and dear to your heart Let's put on this first, uh, this next clip if we can, because this is from Real Clear Politics, and we saw it on Zero Hedge. Code red, downplaying academic excellence in med school admissions. Dr. Paul, that does not sound very good to me what do you think
0: this is put out by people though that on the past they've identified say we we don't like the principle of affirmative action yeah. we just need to help some people along you know if you disobey and don't follow the rules on foreign policy they charge you that you're unpatriotic <clears throat> you're pro-russian pro-soviet and all that kind of nonsense but here if you don't agree with what they're proposing here and that is the oh, tremendous uh, effort to have uh, have uh, to promote uh, the students in medical schools, then you're a racist yeah. if, and, you, and you have no defense whatsoever. But when you look at this and when I look at it, it's it's all a, fa- a facade. Everything that they do does exactly the opposite, you know, the, the opposite effect. Just because they uh, they manipulate who gets to go to medical school, and they say, well, you know, we have to help help people because there's a discrepancy, uh, you know, in in how the numbers go uh, and get into medical school. They said so they do that, and uh, there's a lot of downside to this because it undermines the whole system. If people people say well how did you get into medical school you know it, it'll, yeah. it'll be it'll be complete it can turn out to be negative and even the universities that go along with this uh, whole whole thing of of of, of 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 motivation they they say that uh they, they 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 make the point that you know this is good this is right this is the right thing to do it's um, it, it's good uh, it's good for it's not racist and all that kind of stuff but their 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 goal is to uh, what they want is diversity they want equity and they want uh, inclusionism oh. can you can you tell me what is it if you have you know the magic of a free market voluntaristic system what would we be able to accomplish <laughs> yeah. you, you know it, it's just just a fake is what it is. And uh, it's also going, I think it'll undermine the medical profession. I think it'll undermine uh, the, the whole system. I think the universities are going to be undermined. But they don't even test them anymore. Yeah. So, But uh, people are going to uh, eventually resist this. But right now, you you know, I think it all started when they started manipulating all the way back to 1910 with a Flexner report. Yeah. Because there was some independence, there were some private schools, and there were, you know, you know, there were schools for minorities, and there were schools for women when they weren't going to the regular schools. Yeah. And there was also a challenge by the homeopathic school against the allopathic school, and uh, the AMA you know, didn't like that. So they have this revision under the Flexner report, and they outlawed all of this. and uh, And I think right now this is one thing that I think the uh homeopathy the more naturalist won a little bit of ground you know with covid because if you would have followed those rules you'd have been better off if you've sent sent your loved ones uh, for the uh, to have a have a ventilator put yeah. on because they didn't know what else to do yeah. that's that's a that's a that's a serious problem but it, this is uh this is just total rejection. Of common sense and you know because there were private schools and things back there my son's going to a medical school right now it's a private school and I didn't even know they existed anymore wow. but it's a private medical school it's expensive but he it was uh, something that uh, he wanted to do so uh, it, it's uh, its they're still out there they're not an, it's not an absolute but I'll tell you they make it so that it's very difficult for the average person uh, you know to get into into one of those schools you know for financial reason but uh, I think uh, I think that uh, th- this is a lot more serious. This is, uh, they pan this off as being so holier than thou. We care about people. You don't care about people. It's sort of like... Uh a- anything any social welfare program you don't support that means you'll how many times have you heard hillary say you're gonna let all the babies die yeah but we'll take care of them our way <laughs> you know so th- it's a it's a pity uh and eventually you know the evidence will come out that this stuff doesn't work the quality of medicine uh it is going to go down, and I, I think it's still good in places, but uh, it's it's still vulnerable when when it, when it's regulated like this, and they pick. Uh, Pick students for social reasons rather than whether or not they know what uh, what uh, chemistry is all about. That's that's unnecessary. That's being racist. You know, yeah. chemi-
1: chemistry is racist. Yeah, it's really it's really alarming. And uh, put up the next clip. This is from the article because what they're doing is they're doing they're getting they're doing away with the MCATs. They're doing away yeah. with these tests that are objectively measuring. Your skills in biology, biochemistry, organic chemistry, these are kind of important if you're going to be a doctor. And this discrimination, by the way, is not necessarily against whites. I would guess that Asians uh, and maybe uh, even folks from India are going to be discriminated most against because they tend to do very well. uh, And that's just a fact. But they're dropping the tests, but by dropping the tests, they're also getting into trouble because their rankings as universities, as medical schools, (laughs) are going down. We put up that next clip. So what they did is they got together and they decided to all withdraw from the U.S. News and World Report rankings, uh, hoping to cover up the fact that they're no longer using MCAT scores to let people in. Now, what are they using to let people into the schools, to medical schools? Put on the next one, because I, I couldn't believe this, Dr. Paul. Medical schools are calling Equity and lived experience. I would rather your lived experience include learning chemistry and biology. (laughs) My lived experience tells me I should be in medical school. Mm -hmm. It's funny, but it's not funny because next time any of us are going under the knife, we might start wondering whether this person's lived experience included studying.
0: They're (laughs) arguing that it's equity is the golden diversity and, and all this, which is really nonsense. But in a freer market, what the goals are, is striving for excellence on a personal basis. And you know what? Patients are pretty smart. You know, I, I think most until you get into all this insurance and government and which doctor you're allowed to go to, in the past it was always by recommendation by other family members or uh, by friends because they they would want to know what they thought. But that isn't it. And uh, the uh, the uh, the idea that, uh, uh, that, that, that that the government can regulate and make sure they only get the people they want and. Um, it, it eventually is going to decrease quality i don't think there's any any d- doubt about that and uh, if you want if you want independence in medicine and innovation and discuss it just think of this nonsense in in covid if you even talked about natural immunity, you could lose your job. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really insane what, what we put up with, and, and yet the number of doctors that stood up were few. Uh, there's more now, but uh, and some of them suffered great deal of consequences you know, because they said, I, this is wrong, you're yeah. doing the wrong thing, uh, but you're not supposed to think, under their system. You're yeah. supposed to march to the tune of Dr. Fauci and the bureaucrats. <laughs> yeah. And that's how you would get ahead because you would be, you will be rewarded with money.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's p- pretty disturbing. Well, I'm just going to close by saying that, again, June 3rd marked the date. We're going to hopefully have tickets on sale in a couple of days. We're just waiting for a couple of things to happen. But we're taking the show on the road, but we don't have to go very far because we're going up to Houston for the Ron Paul Institute Spring Conference June 3rd. I will let you know when tickets are on sale, but hopefully within the next couple of days. Over to very, you, Dr. Very Paul. good.
0: And I want to th- thank our viewers once again very much for tuning in today. And uh, we look forward to having these, uh, these seminars and getting together because it, I think it uh, benefits both ways. It's a two-way street because I like it because I like to find out what people are thinking and what their questions they have and uh, others will, uh, you know, meet other people. And I think there's a lot of people that have long-time friendships when they go to these conferences because it brings like-minded people together and you don't have to quite be intimidated by the nonsense that, uh, that's poured down our throats, you know, uh, as far as what you can say and do and, and how, what doctors you can pick and all this stuff. It's just, it's just nonsense. So uh, we look forward to the conference and hopefully we see a lot of you